seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the dark. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rohit World. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rohit World. Welcome to episode 56. 56. The Lawrence, the Lawrence Taylor episode. Lawrence Greatest Ta- linebacker of all time. R.I.P. Uh, he's still alive. Oh. Yeah. Not yeah. R.I.P. Oh, man. I just killed someone that's not dead. That sucks. Yeah. I mean, I think all move. the cocaine has actually kept him alive. I just uh, assumed from all of that he had died. No, no. I mean, for our viewers, or sorry, our listeners, um, who are maybe too young to remember or not sports fans, Lawrence Taylor is a legendary uh, Hall of Famer. He ended Joe Theismann's career. I mean, he was a guy that quarterbacks were terrified of. It came out years later that he was just doing rails um, before each game, and during each game he was just hyped up. But doesn't mean he wasn't the greatest of all time. Um, he was. He's pretty much created the type of linebacker position as we know it today um, in terms of the physical aggressiveness, toughness, and uh, he wore number 56 like our episode. And he uh, and he's going to be tough. This episode is going to be tough. This episode is going to... Rohit and I both just did lots of cocaine. It's We're ready to go. I am so ready. I am hyped. I am ready. Are you ready? I'm hyped. I'm really hyped. I mean, I, I did. The, I, I took the cocaine, mixed it with the ketamine, and so I feel like I'm in a really good... I'm vibing. You know, yeah. Oh, so you did the okay, cool. I'll do some ketamine. I'll do some one sec. Okay, okay, I'm good. All right, I, I'm ready now. I'm extra ready. Oh, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> there it yeah. is. Well, it's because the theme of today's show is chaos or fun. Is something that we talk about, can we relate it to being chaotic or fun? And we're covering so much insanity from. The uh, from uh, a right wing uh, QAnon SNL guest to uh, Andrew Cuomo getting fired, perhaps to Dr. Dre child support. We've even got. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Well, you already know this one. We have the Boston mayor compare. I'm not even going to say what the Boston mayor did. It's just you'll see. There's a lot of chaos on this show. It is uh, it is one of those. But first, we have to start with what we always do. The news from the quarantine. News from the quarantine. Which is, a, it's more of a quarantine now than it was a couple weeks ago. So you just never know with our news from the quarantine how much quarantine is going on. So, can I tell you something I did that you did, I think, last week? Yes, please do. I went to the movie theater. And what did you see? I saw the movie Stillwater with Ooh. Matt Damon. And it was uh, really, I, like, I forgot how much I longed for a movie theater experience, kind of like what you said. It was incredibly enjoyable, just from the, from the trailers to the sound to the big screen to just to not 
being able to be on your phone at all, to not being able to push pause, to just being surrounded by the experience. I enjoyed the movie. Some did, some didn't. I really enjoyed it. It's loosely based on the Amanda Knox controversy incident uh, from a little while ago. And... Uh, but it's all it's really also just it's an interesting movie. It has a lot of different layers to it. And I I enjoyed it. Not sure it's for everyone, but if you like a interesting story with interesting characters and beautiful cinematography and it's just it's interesting. There's a lot going on in it. Some suspense, some romance, some uh, political co- uh, commentary. It's got it all. Yeah, I hear it was a, a really strong performance from Matt Damon. I haven't seen it yet. But uh, they say it's one of his better performances. I'd say it's top tier Damon. You know, it's he's so different than he was in what's it called? Like the Bourne movies. I think I think, you know, I'm about to go traveling to Europe for uh, two and a half weeks and I'm not going to get any movie time. Hopefully it's still in the theaters when I'm back. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that you were able to get back into the movies. And even the trailers are so exciting. The seats, just like the smell of the popcorn and just like. Like then leaving and then being like, I just saw a movie, you know, it's great. The smell of napalm in the morning. It just has it all. Yeah. Yeah. Burning skin is just, it's got like this like crackling bacon style Mm. aroma is great. It's just got it all. And, and speaking of having it all, here's a little thing I wanted to bring up before we go into topic one. Sure. Cause I'm, I'm curious your thoughts before I say what other people's thoughts are, my thoughts. So I went to the Dodgers versus Astros game. First game, the Dodgers have, the Astros and Dodgers have played at Dodger Stadium with fans since uh, the 2017 debacle where the, uh, where the Astros cheated and the cheating scandal came out that they were banging on trash cans and so on. First time at Dodger Stadium since then. Uh, the Dodgers lost three to nothing. And it almost didn't seem to matter because the fans brought it so hard and so crazy that I think I sent you a couple videos. But yeah. it was okay, just let me list off a few things that happened. First, right when I walked in, there was. A guy dressed in full Oscar the Grouch costume for, uh, because, uh, you know, trash can, Oscar the Grouch. So <laughs> full Oscar the Grouch costume. Then there were so many committed T-shirts with like different, like different wording. Like they did like one guy had a full Astros 17 for the year 2017 with the instead of a name of an Astro, it said cheaters on the back full real Jersey, like one of those $250 jerseys, but he made just to do this. Uh, There was another guy who had full gear, not not just a shirt, a hat and a shirt that said anti Astros social club. Uh, Then there there was another person. They were also, there were people who actually had arranged, they were handing out at the front when you went in these chants that they wanted at that stadium to do, so, like the anti-Astro stadium. So someone went and made like 50,000 pieces of paper to hand out to every fan, which was 
another like pot committed thing. Then there were just tons of other shirts. There were uh, foam asterisks that people had where they were holding up foam asterisks instead Ooh, of the number that's one. Great. Uh, and then so then during the game, a few quotes from from crowd chants. Cheaters was a thing. Fifty thousand people screaming cheaters. Fifty thousand people screaming fuck Altuve. Jose Altuve, the star uh-huh. second baseman of the Astros. 50,000 people saying fuck Correa. Uh, star, yes. uh, Carlos Correa, the star shortstop from that team. Both also who never admitted to cheating and, and were just so much, had so much bravado about it. And then the crowd got into it with other Astros fans. Uh, oh, there were inflatable trash cans. So <laughs> many of them like lots of them in different sections that people brought and inflated the trash cans. And then they'd hit them around like a beach ball. And then when the Astros were on the field, someone would hit it onto the field. So they'd have to like stop the game. (laughs) Then also every time an Astro hit a ball into the crowd, the fans would throw it back onto the field every single time. And they have to stop play. At least once the PA announcer had to come on and say, please stop the language and the uh, throwing balls onto the field because uh, we can't do that. Because I think on the TV, on the TV, absolutely not on TV. Yeah. On TV, they had to keep uh, muting the crowd and then the game. And then finally, as the game kept going more, there were a bunch of Astro fans who were very, uh, shall we say they were in the wrong place to be taunting. But they were taunting Dodger fans throughout the game, like just saying, you know, we're the best standing up, being the extra obnoxious fans. And by around the third, fourth, fifth inning, people had had maybe a few beers, I believe, at the time. And those Astro fans became uh, enemies number one. And uh, some people, there were some skirmishes. Uh, Also, just at one point, one section, like in the middle of the stadium, there was a bunch of Astro fans who were doing this. And so then sections from above, below, and next to them just started tossing beers and sodas on them. And uh, and they just kept wanting it. They just kept standing there, like, saying, bring it. We're the Astros. We're the best. And so fans kept going, and then security had to, like, move the fans. And let me think. is there Was there one other part? It was just more of that. It was a lot of, like... People just were there to let out four years of anger onto so even, this. So even though the Astros stole the World Series from the Dodgers through cheating and you know cheated their way to tow a title and robbed all the teams that they played along the way, I think this is good for baseball. I think that this is great because even though you guys lost, there was heat and fire and passion. I remember the craziest crowd I've ever been to in any sporting event was uh, the it was a Kurt Schilling Bloody Sock game. Uh, Yankees, Red Sox. You were at that? Yes. I was at that game in the right field bleachers in Yankee Stadium wearing Red Sox shit. I'm not even a Red Sox man. I hate the Yankees so much. Um, (laughs) And, oh, God, all... And this is only two, two, three years after 9-11. All the really racist shit. I mean, I was getting spit on, beers dumped on. My brother was literally, they wouldn't let him back to his seats. They started chasing him. And this one guy chased my brother out of the stadium in like the fourth or fifth inning. Um, and, and my brother found cops around the, he went behind the home plate entrance. Um, and the guy was just sitting there stalking my brother. Um, and I, and this is before like everybody had, you know, like iPhones or anything like that. And like great cell signal. So I had a flip phone. My brother had like a Nokia brick um, and I couldn't hear from him 
for the rest of the game. I was like, where's my brother? Is he okay? Because I noticed he didn't come back to his seat. Um, and so we went through the whole crazy game. And then we met up after the game, found out he got moved to um, uh, in a handicapped companion seat right behind home plate, like 12 rows behind home plate. <laughs> so he had like incredible seats because the, the woman saw this guy chasing my brother and he explained he's like he wouldn't even let me back to my seats he showed her he showed her the ticket and everything and she let him back in and that guy didn't get to go back in which is great um wow. so the one that tried to literally uh, physically attack my brother um so um yeah i thought that was an amazing game despite me being covered in piss i'm sorry not piss spit and beer um and uh, it was hilarious and it was amazing and that's good for baseball um, rowdiness and great fans we need it and that's what makes baseball exciting it's not more home runs it's the excitement of fans and rivalries that's what I think is the best part of baseball and but then I have a thing because there's some uh, so, some friends I sent some video to were saying how that looks miserable and it's so stupid and just play the game and stuff and then other people thought it was amazing like you I, uh, I know. Yeah. Well, I want to take, get your take. Yeah. I mean, before we move to the first topic, I think it's important for me to make my opinion clear. I love baseball. Baseball is my first love as a sport. And it is, I think America's pastime baseball needs to take a page, not out of the NBA, which has ruined its game by making it changing the rules. So it's all offense. It's turned to a fucking garbage sport. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, I think baseball needs to stop, you know, like trying to build around offense and just home runs. And I think they start need to building around, take the model of the WWE and <laughs> like really hype up the faces, really build the rivalries, get ways to get fans excited and picking sides and just like, and just like having just drama. Cause you've got 162 games a year. It's hard to maintain an excitement over such a slog of a season. And you know, when you're playing only 16 games or NBA, even 82, um, you know, at least you can kind of spread out the drama a little bit through the season that you got to keep it going. So I think if MLB can find more ways to engage fans, get them hating each other, get them like, you know, really just get them making a game the most exciting thing to go to because it's going to be nuts regardless of what happens. That I think in itself and that's from chance that's from props like Japan. If you look at the Nippon Baseball League, they got the people banging the drums. They got people like in there, you know, in dressed up, you know, in the traditional outfits, big cheers, all that curl. Everything's coordinated. Everything's crazy. Big rivalries like we can make baseball exciting again and got to learn from WWE, got to learn from Nippon Baseball League, got to learn from the soccer hooligans in Europe um, and forget the NBA, forget the NFL. Those are different paths and, you know, those are different ways of approaching. So, yes, I think baseball is a long life. And this was a very long uh, news from the quarantine. I think we are going to hit on cheating in our uh, in our sports section. But the bottom uh, line is we shortly. like is here. We are both fans of the chaos and uh, the chaos led to the fun. And yes, yes. So uh, yes, yeah, chaos and fun are often inseparable. Yes. Um, two sides of the same coin. And speaking um, of speaking of chaos, I think your topic number one has a bit of uh, a bit of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, Aaron, this this is an interesting topic. And I think it, it, it's, it's something that, um, you know, I think we can kind of, uh, you know, everybody is pretty aware how cities like New York um, and, you know, Los Angeles soon. But, you know, lots of cities around the country are starting to mandatorily require you know this is bars restaurants are going to have mandatorily check your vaccine status before entering 
Now in LA, if you got vaccinated, you know, we have our uh, a QR code that can just go on our phone's wallet. Um, I think similar, you know, other states are doing similar things. But the idea is um, if you're not vaccinated, you're not getting in. And the idea, and I think there is obviously, you know, we're having the greatest anti-vax movement probably in modern history. Yeah. Um, based purely on politics and people, tribalism and just lack of awareness and education. And lack of um, facts. Lack, just lack of lack actual of facts. facts. And, it, and it crosses the political spectrum. It crosses the racial spectrum. We're seeing, you know, anti-vax coming from the conservative Orange County people. We're seeing yep. anti-vax coming from the, you know, I'd say like like some of the African American neighborhoods. You know, there's, you know, because and they all have their histories and their reasons. And we're having a vaccination problem. Um, we're having people that are athletes that are in their twenties that are refusing to take it. Look at the Minnesota Vikings. So there, this whole anti-vax thing is much bigger than than the previous Orange County Crystal Moms. Uh, anti-vax movement a couple years ago where they thought it would give babies autism. Now it's just, oh, we don't know what it'll do, so we're not going to take it. Regardless, um, there's a controversy about requiring people to have what they're referring to as vaccine passports, proof of vaccination to get into certain places, both public and private. Now, the Boston mayor, uh, her name is uh, Kim Janey. She uh, has recently gone on to compare vaccine passports to slave papers. Oof. And birtherism. Ooh. And Ooh. so she is, she, she wanted to go, she compares his vaccine passports, documentation requirements required during the slavery and Jim Crow era, according to ABC News. Uh, she also drew comparison to the birtherism conspiracy theory. You know, that birtherism going back to when people did not believe Barack Obama was born uh, eligible to be US, U.S. president. They didn't believe he was born on American soil. Um, so, she feels that there's a long history of people needing to show their papers and during slavery, post-slavery, as recent as you know what immigrant populations go through here. We heard Trump with the birth certificate nonsense. Here we want to make sure we are not doing anything that would further create a barrier for residents of Boston or disproportionately impact BIPOC communities. Yeah, I'm going to go out and say Oof. I'm feeling a little hopeless about that because this is highly irresponsible. You cannot compare slave papers to proof of vaccination. Proof of vaccination is no different than showing a driver's license when you are driving, carrying it with you, when you're buying alcohol, when you're buying cigarettes. I think that's I think people should need to show their vaccine to get into these spaces. Again, I'm also in favor of voter ID, but that's a whole different situation as long as it's provided for free and made accessible to everyone. Um, and the the idea of it, it just it just feels really inconsistent, really, really inconsistent. I think that uh, if we're trying to get a nation healed and protect people who are vulnerable, a scientifically proven vaccine is nothing to compare to slavery. And I think that is really highly irresponsible. And again, politicians, all they do is try to stoke people's emotions to generate headlines and positive press well, their way. They're not actually <clears throat> doing any ruling. And this is really pathetic. See, the, the, what, what you're bringing up here to me is, is bad chaos. This is causing unnecessary chaos when you could at least streamline something that is a logical way to go about this about, about like why wouldn't you want to have people if you're you're vaccinated i believe it's vaccinated or you have can show you just had a negative covid test yeah and yes. so if you're anti um if you don't want the vaccine or can't for whatever reason then you just 
get COVID tests when you want to go somewhere, uh, like an event or a bar out there. And within 72 hours, you just need a, a test. So th- this seems like completely unnecessary added chaos. And I wish every city would do this. What I find extra odd, because that comparison to slavery is just, slavery was, you know, one of, was the biggest stain in our country's history or maybe the set also crime against humanity well i mean also you could say that the takeover of uh the indigenous uh culture was also a stain on our country so yep so i you know we've had a couple huge ones uh japanese internment camps weren't exactly good so we've had we've our country has been anything but uh is not been a flawless country what's odd here is that kim janey for those who don't know she's african-american too, which is just an interesting thing that she would choose to compare that, compare this to slavery. I don't quite, when you said that, I was just like, wait, that's odd. So then where to get hope from it? This is a tough one, but I think at least getting the debate out there so we can talk about it because I this is where I think we both want it to go where you just you show that you're vaccinated or you show that you just had a negative test if you can't get vaccinated is the way that we're going to get out of this damn mess and Kim Janey bringing this up in such an extreme way maybe we'll get some people to think of it and be like wait huh that's not what this is like this is actually not as uh, complex as people getting indentured and ga- having to give their lives and get beaten up and and have to work for free as a slave in the South or in the country before that. Like, this is not that. This is not so hard. This is go get a sh- two shots and then go do stuff. So maybe it'll further raise awareness and even also show that this isn't just a, uh, you know, red state white problem this is a a lot of people are coming at this with this problem and we need to conquer it we need to beat it we need to get over this hump so that we can get back to normal that's the hope i can bring is that it's showing that this comes from, i'm i don't know but i'm i'm guessing kim janey is also a democrat uh mm-hmm. she probably has to be if she's the boston mayor uh i'm yeah, looking right up yeah, right now to make get, sure you're not going to yeah the last like i feel like Massachusetts-based, yeah, like prominent Republican was Mitt Romney, and he um, was a governor who, and he was a governor who wanted. Uh, basically, he was the inventor of Obamacare, so it's pretty funny yeah. that he, uh, he, you know, he did the health care for all in Massachusetts. That now, uh, that then became like the anti-Democrat thing. But uh, yeah, I hope it just brings awareness that this is coming from all sides as a little cuckoo, including the mayor of Boston, which is just odd, but. Yeah. If anything, another bit of hope is, and I like that. And I think, you know, maybe it's like, yeah, using like reverse psychology as as you're saying, Aaron. Yeah. I think another thing is, you know, overall, I think the downfall of our civilization is oversensitivity. There was a time when we weren't sensitive enough and there was a lot of really brutal uh, language and still is like people are being kind of fucked up and mean. But now we're almost like we're sacrificing liberty and health of people because we might some people that are out of their mind might compare needing to show proof of vaccine 
to slavery. I think that is just insane. It's irresponsible. And I think that we as a country and as a planet need to be less sensitive. We've overcorrected. Um, and I'm sounding like the, the now I'm sounding like the MAGA guy that was, I was <laughs> my PT this morning. Um, and he was like, ah, rah, rah, the Simone Biles. Oh my God, Jesus Christ. Oh, um, boy. So, yeah. Well, um, maybe you're that guy. Maybe you are that guy and you were just in disguise. Maybe I, yeah, maybe I'm turning into that guy. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's like fucking just get the goddamn vaccine. Just, and just, if you can't just stay the fuck home, nobody needs to hear it. This is not new slavery. This is not anything. This is getting a damn prick in your arm and you're not going to die. You'll be fine. You'll actually live. So anyway, this um, is, think, and, it, yeah, and it's also showing one, one thing, what you just said, I think is interesting. It's showing me that the whole uh, sides of like Democrat, Republican or liberal or conservative we're really just ourselves. Like I'm Aaron, you're Rohit. I have views and I, all of my views definitely do not connect with just the liberal point of view or like all this, like going overboard stuff. Uh, not just, not with this in particular, but just in general, like the whole cancel culture, everything being, everyone being too, uh, too like everything's a political statement. It's just not, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I mean, not I'm not into that. I think it's gotten to be too much and we just need to be people again. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I mean, it's like like socially, it's like, yeah, I'm pretty damn liberal socially. When you start talking about economy and finance, I'm goddamn right wing. You know, <laughs> and it's like it's, it's so it's like people are on a spec. You know, there's a gradient. You know, there's there's not everybody exists in a neat little box. Um, so. And everyone get vaxxed. Uh, oh. And everyone get vaxxed. Yes, just like, please, just for do the it, love please. of God. Like, come on, man. Don't like, Let's get back to real life. It, it takes a half second. That's all it takes. It's so easy. A um, half a second and you're done. Uh, so yeah. speaking of half a second, because we, I think, have, uh, we, we've, uh, we can hope gong this, that at least we figured out all the solutions to the world. Yep. And uh, this is bad chaos, so we'll hope gong it. That was a slow hope song. We need a louder one. There. All right. So, speaking of hope gongs, it's uh, it's time for the uh, we we have a short one today, but the short the sports update, and we we we've already talked a lot about sports, so this is going to be a uh, a quick one. But you, uh, what one thing that I found to be fascinating in terms of chaos, I learned this through a. Uh, a uh, friend who used to be a high up at the Dodgers and he's still connected to all the dudes. He's in PR. So he's like, just, he's got the ins. He knows a lot of the GMs knows like Cashman and Rizzo and Friedman and all the GMs for people who know baseball GMs, uh, all the big ones. And he, uh, I talked to him during the trade deadline and then I talked to him again yesterday and he said, this is the first time the media got, was the one who was playing the teams accidentally by getting information leaked to them that was incorrect so that teams would start bidding more on players because they heard a team was getting someone else. And it started with Ken Rosenthal for those who, uh, who know the, uh, the guy, it started with him, mm-hmm. uh, leaking a Dodger, uh, trade with, uh, with, with the Padres and Scherzer, which led to, uh, uh, the, then another leak that wasn't true of Scherzer and Trey Turner going to the Dodgers. And what, even if you're not a fan of uh, of baseball in this, 
The idea that the GMs and the assistant GMs were leaking information to the media so that the teams would then find out that this trade was a possibility, which is how the Dodgers found out about the Turner-Scherzer part. Even though, So they're spreading fake news that then became real news. Uh, I'm just curious what you think, because this chaos to me is awesome that people are playing the system this hard. I love it. I mean, here's the thing, man. What, what's what's happened with the news media has been, you know, sports media, everything has been headlines. And without actual research, without um, uh, anything based on just like, it's just been getting tweets and retweets. So if people can bring a level of chaos and use the the way the news has fallen, use Twitter um, as a way to sow more chaos and use that to their advantage, it's great. And I think that'll then teach people as a result, to stop trusting all the tweets they're seeing. And I'm even guilty myself, Aaron, amongst our little friend group, sending like, uh, oh, yeah, oh you, look at this trade hey. that are like from like really like unverified people. You did. I don't know. I've done it twice already. And you know, I'm even learning myself. So if we can grow to fully distrust nearly everything we see on Twitter, even from the blue checks, that's good for the world. And it's good for getting news back to being something trustworthy. So that's great. And now, yes, we're seeing it in baseball. Awesome. Now just, you don't trust. And uh, Christopher Harris, a guest that we had on the show, uh, he refers to all these tweets that are based on nothing besides speculation. He calls them farts and whistles. <laughs> um, and yeah. how so much media is just someone farting and everybody else whistling and everybody's kind of reacting to the same thing that's not based on anything. Um, so hopefully this will put an end to that once people feel like fools. The, and the blue check, I have a blue check and you should have a blue check. And the... You know what? You know what? Like a lot of what we tweet isn't like don't take as like literal fact. <laughs> it's a lot of it's joke or it's something stupid we heard or who knows. So yeah. don't. Yeah, don't take it as truth. Just take it as it's you're enjoyed because of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So well, I hope you found hope from that. Yes, I did because uh, you have one uh, one thing here that I'm I don't know anything about, so I'm just curious. Uh, I'm curious where you're going with this before we get into our debate. Yeah. So there was, um, and again, this actually plays really well into what we just talked about in terms of farts and whistles. <laughs> Thank you again, Christopher Harris, for that term. But there was a tweet that uh, started to get a bunch of replies yesterday that says an anonymous Brewers player just texted me and said, "Yeah, we cheat. We cheat a lot. We laughed at how little the Astros cheated." Wow. So don't I don't really necessarily believe this tweet, but I started like dig, going down like kind of like the Brewers cheating hole. And apparently like when you Darvis was a Dodger um, and they were playing the Brewers, this is a couple of years ago in 2019. Um, you 2017. kept Christian Yelich. Sorry, 27. Was it 2017? 2017. Okay, you would yeah. know better than I would. Yeah, actually. Yeah, you're right. Um, but there's it was just one example. And there's a whole Twitter thread about all of these. It's just like various Brewers. Bruce players like there's one shot of Christian Yelich looking to the outfield for like two three seconds and then back to to Darvish then back to the outfield and then like like almost acknowledging something Darvish and steps off the mound to reset and Darvish kept saying that kept happening and other players from other teams have said yeah it's kind of an you know it's kind of an unkept secret or like a poorly kept secret that the Brewers themselves find ways to cheat nobody's like the Astros had garbage cans they banged on garbage cans right <laughs> to, send, to send messages to the batters of what pitch was coming now what are the Brewers using are they using lights are they using something that we don't know about without any evidence you can't really prove that but I think it's just really interesting that maybe the Brewers and other teams are cheating all along and the Astros are just scratching the surface and if that's the case how do you find hope from that 
I, I find hope that the Brewers... Oh, you know what my, where my hope is? The Brewers, I don't think, have won a World Series in so long, and that's great then. I want to say, yeah. real quick, I don't think the Brewers... I think the Brewers won, if I know my baseball history, in 1982. Let me see if I'm right. I'm right. <laughs> I got it right. Yay. Uh, 1982. So... Their cheating hasn't helped them. Unfortunately for the Astros, it beat the Dodgers, which was not cool. But there's my hope. I don't know if even that is hope. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I feel. I mean, obviously, they're, if they're cheating, they're not very good at it right now. Um, no, not so, bad cheaters. Yeah. Although they're in first place. Yes. So yeah. now we get to go into something that I, I'm very curious what you're gonna say about this, the debate, the debate Ooh. of the day, the big debate, Rohit v. Aaron. So. There is a new Suicide Squad coming out from Warner Brothers again. Now, do you know how long it's been since the last Suicide Squad came out? Um, no. Probably, wait, the last Suicide Squad was, what, two years ago, maybe? It was five years ago. And then wasn't there, like, a, a different version of it or no, no. I, yeah, it was five years ago. Five years ago, it came out in the theaters. That's right. Will Smith was in it. Yeah, um, Jared Leto, I think, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. They they all like are teaming up and like there's they're going to some building or some shit, and then there's like all this like it was shit being blown up. It was and, crap. It was bad. Yeah. So here's my question for you: There's a new Suicide Squad coming out like next week. Five years after the other one. Completely new with new people. It has, uh, I know Pete Davidson's in it. I think it's Pete Davidson and I forget. I don't know why he's the one that came out. But there's a bunch of uh, of people in it. Uh, Viola Davis is in it. Uh, other people are in it. Margot Robbie. John Cena's in it. So I am, and have said this for a while, I am so sick of reboots. I like new material. I like new stuff coming out. I am sick of the superhero movies reboots. I'm sick of all of it. And the idea that Suicide Squad just came out, like, not that long before the pandemic, and then they decided to make another one before the pandemic even. Who knows when this was actually supposed to come out. So I am so sick of these reboots. And the fact that one is five years after the other one with a whole new movie, Whole different thing, but it's the same thing. Instead of trying to make something with original content, just drives me nuts. And I, what do you think of it? Because it really drives me nuts. I mean, I can't. I can think since you and I were kids, we've seen how many Spider-Man reboots. Yeah, and I um, like that first one. I like the one with Tobey Maguire. Maguire that movie was great. Yeah, I mean, I think I have issues with the Spider-Man three or two with whichever one had Doc Ock in it. Just because I just don't know how he could afford to pay for the power and all get his supplies delivered and also have property on Red Bank on the waterfront without anybody noticing because that was super hot. Product. Anyway, side, side. side hustle, dude. He was a Coke dealer. Yeah, I guess he could have been a Coke dealer or something. But like, yeah, dude, you can't stay under the radar on that waterfront Red Hook property. Anyway, um, in terms of reboots. Uh, yes, you're right. We keep rebooting the same stuff over and over and certain stuff I want to never be rebooted. For one reason, like for example, I never want to see Harry Potter rebooted because it's perfect the way it is. I never want to see Star Wars rebooted. I never want to see Lord of the Rings rebooted because I thought they did great. I'd rather see extensions to those stories and new worlds, which I think we have gotten for all of them. 
now when it comes to Suicide Squad to give a five-year gap. Dude, I, I just, unless it's being directed by Christopher Nolan and taking a really dark, cinematic, you know, like really story-based approach like the like the, the Dark Knight trilogy did, I just think it's, I'm still probably going to see it because I, you know, I get to see, you know, 12 movies a month on my AMC pass. Again, AMC, please sponsor us. Um <laughs> But I think this is a big waste of money, especially being released in COVID. And you got like a big giant shark guy. And is it something that's supposed to be like erasing that the previous one from canon? Or is this a continuation of the previous one? It's a it's an erase, I believe. It's like a, Oh Jesus Christ. A new it's cause uh, it's directed by James Gunn, who did uh, he's done I think only he did a lot of uh B movies and then Guardians. he did Guardian and then he did Guardian he was a yeah. part of uh, Troma, which is a B movie group of movies and then he did yeah, uh, I mean, uh suicide he did guardians of the galaxy the james gunn thing does give me some hope because he's a great director and maybe maybe here's the hope and here's i think actually like maybe this had to be rebooted maybe in the same way that like the snyder cut of um what the hell was that like that five hour thing we just watched um yeah what was that whatever that was whatever the Snyder cut of what we just watched. Like that was fun. And it was great. Got to tell a great story. Maybe this is a, here's, here's maybe actually now I'm okay with it. If it's James Gunn and they're getting a chance to reboot it, maybe they're going to do it the right way. Right. Mm. And Marvel even rebooted the Hulk in a way, right? First you had Ed, Ed Norton. And then all of a sudden it was not Ed Norton. And it was, um, Mark Ruffalo, um, Mark Ruffalo. Okay. I'll, 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 I don't feel, I'm going to just, disagree with you that I don't want I want James Gunn if he's uh, a great because he's really made I think just two the two Guardians movies so I want to see him then make a movie on his like make a movie with an original story do that then let me see what you can bring I would love if he just brought an original story to the table if he's uh, such a you know instead of being part of the machine the suit the superhero machine let's see an original story in an original movie i want that i do not agree i don't need to see five years later you know in 15 years maybe but five years later i don't need a new one james gunn should be bringing me and you uh, me mainly just i want it directly for me a new movie something that's an original concept i i couldn't agree more but i, I understand like the big comic book community um uh, you know, they're, they're working off of existing canon and trying to, you know, there's a huge market for that. Um, so maybe, yeah, I mean, I, I can't take a really huge, uh, sort of POV on this. Okay. So we'll, we're curious. We want to hear what the audience has to think. Let us know if you're sick of it or if you're excited for suicide squad five years later. And Speaking of Suicide Squad, topic two, Rohit, this is absolutely wild. So do you know who Mark Meadows is? Uh, he is congressman. He was the last chief of staff, I believe, for uh, he was the last White House chief of staff for Trump. OK, he went through a lot of them. Yeah, he went through many. This was the last one. This was like yeah. the, the one who went out at the end. So here is where I feel hopeless is Mark Meadows 
went on to, uh, I think, Newsmax or OAN, one of those propaganda, I don't know what you call them, right wing. They're not really news sites. They're just like propaganda things uh, for QAnon style stuff. So they, mm-hmm. oh, it was Newsmax. So it was on Newsmax, which is one of those. He went on and said that he had been meeting with President Trump. He didn't even call him former president. He just said, been meeting with President Trump and cabinet members about plans to move forward in a real way. So he refused to, to say the specifics, but he kept referring to Trump as the president and that they have a cabinet and they're figuring out uh, – they're figuring out how to keep how to keep moving with the country in a in a present way as though they were currently the president the chief of staff and this was his cabinet and he said that to the audience that watches this this is the last part i'm curious what you think cuz the citizens for responsibility and ethics they're called the crew it's a nonpartisan watchdog group said we can't believe we have to say this, but no, Donald Trump is not secretly running the country from a golf course in New Jersey. And from this audience, it seems like a lot of people who watch these Newsmax or OAN, these channels, think that there is a cabinet running the country right now that's secret, that's Trump and Trump's president still. So... I found this to be mind-bogglingly weird, but also, and definitely causing chaos. Not fun yeah. chaos. I mean, just weird. I mean, a point of clarification is that he will always be President Trump in the same way you don't add, add former. The title, the formality is the, even if President Obama, he's still called President Obama and President Bush and President Clinton. Until the day they die, they will always be referred to in the active of president. That's just that wasn't what he was doing. Just, I saw the interview. It was not what he was doing. He even said uh, that he called described Trump as a president who is fully engaged, highly focused, and remaining on task. So, as though like yes, okay. So then, yeah, there's there's a bit of nuance there. I, I can see that, but yeah, but if if we were talking specifically about calling him president, yeah, you don't refer to him as former president um, in the formal title. He'll always be president, whether we like it or not. Um, then yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's almost, it's also like, uh, every politician that's like, Hey, um, I'm not running. I have no plans to run. And then, you know, they're going to run this. Donald Trump is absolutely going to run again in 2024. Um, and I'm not going to vote for him, but I am here for the chaos. Um, (laughs) so that to me is a big, big plus. Um, I don't think he's going to win. But the chaos, I miss, like I said, we had a previous in a previous episode. I miss Trump's tweets. Um, I think they were insane and chaos and ridiculous. I miss that. That was the last time Twitter was good. Um, and uh, it's I, you know, I think uh, it's just it's gonna be a zoo. And um, if 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 and when he runs again, and I think this just sets it up. So for me, I personally find hope um in upcoming in the promise of chaos um i don't know if that gives you hope well this is the chaos unlike you know baseball tweets and stuff this chaos is not my style of chaos because <laughs> the last trump cycle you know affected me in some uh, 
you know, it, not not that it's all about one individual, but it affected me and lots of people I know in very bad direct ways. So I am uh, not into more of that. So I am not into this chaos. I'm not into some of the what Trump, uh, a lot, you know, what, what he brought out in people that like the violence and the shootings and things like that. I, so I'm just not I'm not into this chaos. I want him to go away. So I think I will not take hope. I, I'm, I'm not going to hope on what you just said. I'll just have a gong in my head because it's like because. All right, you get a gong thing, in your man. head. You get a gong yeah, in your head. Ready? People, yeah. Ready? Because this is this is the mag in you. Ready? Here's your gong. Let's ride into the sunset and the chaos cycle. There it is. Um, Yes, I'm here for it. I love chaos. Um, So, yes, moving forward, Hopeless TV. um, As as we start to uh, get to the end of our show, um, uh, Aaron, you got a topic about Victoria Jackson. Yeah, so, well, I thought two things here. Uh, First, you know who Victoria Jackson is? I'm guessing like Michael's youngest sister. <laughs> she is a former member, a former big star, because it was back when uh, SNL had very few females, and she was like one of the main females of uh, of SNL, I believe, in the early '90s, something like that. But she was on for a long time. But real quick question: Can, Do you? How much do you know of SNL? I know that it's not funny, um, except they have one funny gag maybe every three episodes, and that's the one that makes it online, so I don't need to watch it. Um, and I know that Bill, no, sorry, what's his face? Bill Burr was really hilarious, and he got panned for being really hilarious in his opening monologue. And the rest of it for me is unwatchable. But that's all I know. Okay. So we, I wanted to do a game of naming, in 30 seconds, how many SNL members could you name? Like ever? Oh, I can name a few. Ever? All right, let's do oh, it. Oh yeah. All right, then let's do it. Because like ever or current? Ever. Okay. All right, ready. How much time do I got? Uh, one minute. Let's uh, let me pull up the clock. Ready. Set, and I'll do it too. Then let's see who gets more. Ready, set. Well, how are we gonna do it at the same time? No, you go first. Oh, yeah. How do we do it at the same time? I'd have to do earmuffs. <laughs> okay, wait. Okay, this game. We are going to do, we are just not, we're going to save it for next time because we have to figure out a way to both be in silent booths and do it. Yeah, but also, will the audience believe that none of us has cheated? I won't cheat because I can just go right now. I mean. No, we're not going to cheat. Neither of us will cheat. We won't cheat. It's the honor code. Because I just don't know how we can can promise I'm not going to do it at the same time. I'm not going to be watching any SNL until now in the next episode. And there's no, there are no new ones anyway. So. We are not going to oh, okay. cheat, Think. and in one minute, next episode, we are going to have to name, and we're, we'll just do it where our producer will come in, and we'll each be in earmuffs briefly. How how many can we name in one minute? Great. Okay, I think it's an interesting way to do it. So, um, so now, the Victoria Jackson thing that I found fascinating, and you don't know who she is. I've watched a, a lot of reruns of SNL back in the day. I would watch them. They were on, I think, E! And uh, so I is I was listening to her on uh, on Howard Stern and they got into a fight because she is 
the most like she's super like QAnon conservative, which I just found to be. And he was getting into arguments about her, about like, <clears throat> you know, about homosexuality and because she thinks it's wrong. And uh, oh, and she was saying that like she, every person she talks about who's Jewish, she says like that Jew because she just thinks that Jews own everything and run everything in Hollywood and in general. But she just thinks that Jews are, and she was told as a kid, be nice to Jews because they're always smart. And and then Howard said, isn't that a little anti-Semitic? I mean, it's kind of a compliment. It's also kind of like a generalization. She's like, no, 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 Jews are just good. You just want to be close to Jews. And like as a Bible I, I follow the Bible religiously. It's like everything in the Bible is true. And so I just want to be good to God. And he, she was just saying some stuff that to me was really out there. And it made me feel a little hopeless just because I thought, man, I, I remember watching her rerun. She had some funny stuff. And to, to think, and, and just to, and also hopeless because I want to see what the SNL cast, which is probably mostly just conservative act, I mean, liberal actors who are just goofballs, uh, and then her, like that would have been a movie unto itself just to see what like this Bible thumping conservative would be doing with like Mike Myers and Dana Carvey and Adam Sandler and all the, I think the people she was on at the time with. So it made me feel double hopeless. Like, whoa, whoa, who, what is going on here with her? And two, why didn't we get to know about this a long time ago? So we could like, I want a movie about that. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Applying today's morality to yesterday's behavior can sometimes be a tough match. I mean, you could look, if you if we were to apply the codes of ethics that we stand by today to our founding fathers, to people even from 100 years ago, world war heroes, like they would be very problematic, right? And I think, yep. not excusing her, but from the 80s, I don't even know who this lady is. I've never heard of her. I Googled her, never seen her face. So the good thing is, is maybe because of her rhetoric, you know, she kind of, you know, faded herself into oblivion. History will not remember her. Um, and as it is, most comedians, I think of a bit of darkness in them to get to the level where they can kind of see the world and kind of build a comedy around it. You see a lot of depression in my comedy, a lot of alcoholism, a lot of just darkness. And, you know, with some of the great comedians, um, hell, even it's just like Robin Williams, you know, that dude had a lot of, you know, he hung himself. Things haunting his life. Yeah. And so I think we see them express it in really strange, fucked up ways sometimes. And this lady is obviously anti-Semitic. Obviously a, 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 a what do you call the word? Um, uh, someone that interprets a sacred text really literally, whatever that, a fundamentalist. A fundamentalist, yeah. Um, yes. And so, yeah, man, there's... If anything, looking back at like that, that's like that was the cocaine era of SNL, <laughs> um, and that that'll never happen again, um, for better or for worse. But I think it's better without her because I literally thought it was just the youngest Jackson sibling. <laughs> um, <so. laughs> well, that gives me hope that you just thought that. There we go. All, all of God, yeah. just the fact that you thought that she was that that gets a gong. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and one real quick hopeless TV. Um, and this may be hope fulfilled, but I don't know if it qualifies for hope fulfilled yet. But it's close. Remember the uh, previous episode we talked about Scarlett Johansson suing Disney because of them simultaneously releasing uh, in both theater and online uh, her movie Black Widow and. Uh, uh, what's the phrase Emma Stone is going to do the same thing uh, also possibly file a lawsuit against Disney um, for 100 Woman Dalmatians and because here's the thing these actors their money comes from the box office it doesn't come from streaming that's where they make the majority of their money and they are it, it hurts them financially and it also ruins the theater industry and in, in a very surprising move Marvel announced yesterday that the uh film Eternals and then Free Guy starring Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds will launch as theatrical exclusives. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, um, they have not announced, like Disney has not formally said that this is how they're going to uh, do it going forward. Um, and, you know, we still need Warner Brothers to, you know, still don't have hope for Warner Brothers and HBO to respect Dune in the same way and some of these really important films that are coming out. But it's a step in the right direction. Um, but I think the hopeless bit is, do you think the Marvel or Disney, the rest of Disney and other studios are going to catch up or no? I sure, sure hope so. There's a lot of uh, leaked strife at Disney between their uh, former CEO, Bob Iger, and their current one, Bob Chapek, which uh, where Chapek and they, they do not get along anymore. And there's some, and Iger is furious about what he did with the, with Black Widow and the Scarlett Johansson thing and how he let it get that far. So that could cause some, because Iger is looked at much more highly than Chapik. Uh, so there's some hope, I think, that this pressure could mount. It gives me a little hope, at yeah. least, whereas, as opposed to yeah. where we were going. So I'll hope gong it. Yeah, gong. And here's the thing. I used to work with Bob Chapek. He was my old client. Um, dude is very savvy. Um, and he, uh, so I think that, He's the first one making the right decision. Looks like he's reacting to the market and reacting. So hopefully Disney sets that tone. He hasn't reacted so yet, but let's hope he does. But Marvel does fall under, you know, the Disney arm. Oh, you're right. So, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, right. All right. Awesome. So, so now we uh, we move on to the to. Oh, well, there's one quick thing. So our for our for our fans who listen, uh, BTS, the K-pop band is our favorite band ever. We are uh, we love them. We just don't know their music, but we love them. We love everything they stand for, and we just find the whole the whole thing they do to be fascinating. And how they're like the British invasion, but from Korea, and just a bit of hope fulfilled from them is their song "Butter," which we talked about a while ago because they just had a website called Butter that just had melting butter for like weeks that just kept melting, and no one knew why, but it was because their newest song was going to be called "Butter." That song has now been number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for nine weeks. So I personally attribute its success personally to us. Good for us. We did it. BTS, you're welcome. Now be guests on our show. Yes. Please. Um, please. Or one of you. One of you. Um, one of them. Anyone. Yes. We'll take last BTS um, to be All it. right. Yes, or if not, we 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 threatened to start our own boy band. Okay? Yes, um, and yes, don't make us do that, guys. Don't we're we're gonna call it Raw. And we don't Rohit Aaron Wolf, R A W. I love it. Raw. Love it. Love it. Ooh, baby, I like it raw. Yeah. Um, 
I think Old Dirty Bastard was talking about steak, right? <laughs> yep. In the, yeah. Oh, he, all his yeah. stuff. He usually sung about meats and flowers. Yes, exactly. Yes. He, he loved his raw steak. Um, shimmy, shimmy, y'all. Anyway, let's move on to Hope in 60 Seconds. Aaron, we have three rapid topics. And, uh, you know, I'll take this first one. Um, uh, Joe Biden has asked Andrew Cuomo to resign as his scandal uh, continues, where there's more and more evidence of his and like over 100 uh, witnesses of his harassment of women. Um, Andrew doesn't look like he's going to step down. How do we find hope from here? Well, my thing that pisses me off about this is that the double standard. Cuomo, all these cases, yeah, it's probably he should step down. What pisses me off is it's always the Democrats who have to step down. Like Al Franken, I thought was the worst one because he it was like a picture taken when he was a comedian. It just didn't deserve for him to step down. It was, and then you have Matt Gates, who's like chi- a child rapist, and Donald Trump was the president, and he's been sued for rape and harassment like a zillion times. So what I hate is the double standard here. I think both sides have to play by the same game. So that's my hope is if both sides play by the same game, then we're in a good place. For just him to have to do it is just like sad and probably has to happen because he did bad things, but also ridiculous. Yeah, and you know what? Like I said, on, on, on a national level, I think both parties are full of scumbags, but the Democrats will continue to prove themselves slightly less scumbaggy if they are actually holding their people accountable in some way. I think this is one example. So, so there's some hope, hope there. Yeah, I do think. At yeah. least hold your people yeah. accountable. It's, we'll hope gong it. But it's just annoying yeah. that both yes. sides can't play by the same moral code. Yeah. They actually take, at times, their, gar- their garbage out. Yes. Uh, all right. Next one. All right. So everyone called this summer. It was going to be called Hot Girl Summer. And that was like a phrase. I didn't quite know what it was at first, but then I knew, you know, you can tell. It's like everyone, it's time to be free. I first was jealous. I was like, wait, what about Hot Guy Summer? Like, where do we fit into this? Because we should, you know, we can have our hot guy moments, right? Where we're just looking good, like now. But then this Delta variant hit and stuff and feels like hot girl summer has been replaced by mask up and do everything the same again summer. So give me hope. <laughs> um, I'm definitely more interested in, in hot girl summer than hot guy summer. Um, I think it's just more interesting in general. I don't yeah. care. About it. Me too. Um, me too. Me too. So that there's some hope there. There's some hope there. Um, and, um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think that's my hope. <laughs> it's just like, and then the mask thing, you know, I think people can find ways to make masks attractive. <laughs> when you put it, yeah. when you put it that like, way, when you put it that way, I mean, I'm with you. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, honestly, it draws, it draws, it, it's good for people with great eyes, the masks. No, and, um, and the hot girl so. summer, look, for me personally, that's a better summer. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes, for for yeah, it's better for the world. All right, and the last topic is Dr. Dre, the probably richest and most famous music producer and one of the most famous rappers of all time, came out that he has a child uh, who's now thirty eight or thirty seven, who his eldest child who is now living out of an SUV homeless because he will not pay her child support anymore. 
And this just made me sad because I don't know what her situation is. I don't know. And she's been trying to reach out to her dad through a lawyer, can't get a hold of him. And he was paying child support, but now isn't. He obviously had her. I think he had her when he was 16, so young. But the guy is so rich. Even if she's a problem child or who knows, just still give your child money to help her out. I don't know. I don't. I feel hopeless. It made me sad about Dr. Dre and this daughter. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: parents can set up, can set their kids up for success, but. If this kid has made bad decisions with all their money, then sure, a father figure, well, I don't know if he plays a father figure in, in this kid's life, but a father figure will at least try and pick them back up. But I don't think that it's a good lesson for the kid to always have a fallback um, at all times. And who knows what the mother did? Did she spend all the money and not take care of the kid? So I think I she think has that four. She has be... four kids. The daughter has four kids. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So Grandpa Dre. Um, yeah, I think he's so rich that he should at least try and help get this kid on her feet. But even doing it, if it's not giving money, at least pay for the housing. Pay for just like the essentials and don't give them money. And just like say, hey, I'll cover you. And then what you do with the rest of it is up to you. I don't want you sleeping in a car. Get you a three bedroom, four bedroom house or apartment somewhere. Um, and you're you're you do your thing after that. But I'm. I think that's a reasonable way in, but I don't. I think it's a bad look for Dre to do nothing to not support. So we're not going to hope gong Doctor Dre. I agree with you. We're not hope gogging Doctor no. Dre. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but you He's, know what we can hope gong. What's that? Look, we did hope in sixty. We've covered. We have covered every. We have covered everything. We've covered secret cabinets. We've covered everything, and so now it's time to end our show with hope fulfilled. And how do we end it with hope fulfilled with something that we started the show with the Dodgers Astros game. And since we both like certain chaos, especially fun chaos as we, as we've shown in this episode, the hope fulfilled here is, do you know what they did last night? The, uh, for the Astros Dodger game for the seventh inning stretch, the fans, uh, no. So instead of singing the seventh inning stretch, Everyone, Altuve had just gotten tagged out at first base. He got picked off. So he was stranded like in the middle of the field waiting for people to bring his stuff to him. So it was just Altuve in the middle of the field by himself for all the Dodger fans. And so the seventh inning stretch, instead of being the seventh inning stretch, was just constant fuck Altuve chance for the entire seventh inning stretch. That's what I want in all stadiums everywhere. Um, that is the biggest hope fulfilled I think we've had in a while. And on that note, Aaron, I have to run. Um, but this was a great show, great episode. Um, I'll let you close it out. And I will see you when I'm back from Spain. All right. Have a great trip, Rohit. Hey, thank you. And thank you, all the listeners. We'll catch you in late August. Late August. And I'm Aaron Wolf, the Aaron Wolf on social media. Rohit is Vohit for Rohit with the number four. And we are The Hopeless Show on all social media platforms. And again, if you've listened to the show, if you've liked this show, if you've enjoyed it in any way, shape, or form, please rate us. Give us stars on your app 
that you're using, podcast app, and maybe even write something you like about this show or you think it's funny about the show or you think it's fun or you feel you got hope from or something like that. And we couldn't get to submissions today, so we will get to them next week where we'll be bringing you a couple special episodes of The Hopeless Show coming up in the coming weeks. With that, I'm Aaron. I'm out. Thank you for joining and bring hope to the world with us, even though things seem hopeless. All love. Love you all. Bye. When the world seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore, here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the door. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rogan, whoa, it's a hopeless show.